As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, hold the applause, like Paul when he was fresh out the hospital like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through so welcome to anything is possible the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network I am your host Sam Jam Packard professional sports fan and I am joined as always by El Nino the kid the god the legend himself Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are joining you, I guess, late on Thursday, early Friday morning at this point to talk about the Celtics game six victory and series win over the Atlanta Hawks in what was a wild game in which it pretty much felt like it was within five points for uh, pretty much. Uh, the Celtics got up 10, the Hawks came back, and then it was just an incredibly close basketball game up until the final four minutes where the Celtics just made like six plays in a row and were able to close this game out. A complete mirror of what happened, or not a mirror, the opposite. I don't know what's going on at, uh, at this point. It's late, folks, but... Yeah, mirror is a wrong choice <laughs> Mirror there. was the exact uh, wrong word to use in that situation, but very <laughs> different from game five. The exact opposite. So you need to look your, da- your damn self in the mirror after that shit. <laughs> but what I was trying to say is basketball is a crazy sport <laughs> because in game five, the Celtics were up by 10 for 44 minutes and then just kind of crapped the game away in the final four minutes. And this game was just back and forth. I think there was 22 lead changes throughout and then in the final four minutes it was like wham bam Jalen Brown makes a three uh Al Horford makes a three Jalen Brown has a block Jason Tatum has a put back dunk and boom the Celtics are up by eight points and all of a sudden they just won this basketball game it was wild Jay King you were there what was your impression being in the arena for what was a very entertaining basketball game first off respect to the Hawks respect (laughs) to the Hawks I did not think they were going to put up as much of a fight as they did. I did not see them competing the way they did. I did not see their athleticism being a problem for the Celtics as much as it was. I did not see John Collins drilling threes and 
DeAndre Hunter making huge plays and Trey Young just getting loose for four straight games. They were awesome. Um, they were really fucking good. They pushed the Celtics and really made the Celtics dig deep in that final stretch. Like you said, the the final stretch was an anti-mirror. Yeah, of reverse mirror. The other game. Most people are calling it <laughs> reverse black mirror. Ooh, new black mirror is coming out. Is, so. is that a show? It is a show. And new episodes I've never seen just, that are show. dropping. It's a fantastic show. I don't know if you'd like it, but it's good. Yeah, I probably wouldn't like that weird <laughs> shit. Um but but like it was totally opposite and I thought it started with Tatum making great reads, Marcus Smart cutting into the paint and then dissecting the Hawks. Like the the Celtics down the stretch were pretty clinical with their execution. It was just an awesome stretch of of picking apart whatever the Hawks did. And the, the Al Horford like three smart. in the corner was especially like Marcus Smart anticipating the Tatum double, cutting to the middle, giving him that passing angle, and then like finally like that was like a pure, perfect execution of basketball. It's just like exactly what they needed to do in Game Five, and they just couldn't do whatsoever. Uh, but in Game Six, they yeah, and even responded. the play before that, or he got even an the open play shot before that, Grant Smart did too, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, got got Grant a wide open look in the corner. It just didn't go down. Um, and then Smart was able to get some layups out of it because then the Hawks wanted to take away the three. So I thought it started with those two guys, and then Jalen was making all the right plays too. And and when Tatum and Brown and Smart are working together to really beat a defense. The Celtics are really, really tough to stop. And I just thought they played at a really high level. They played really smart basketball down the stretch. And and obviously the, the Hawks don't have a great defense in the first place. But I just thought that was extremely high-level offense by Boston for the last like six minutes on top of finally getting stops and finally taking Trey Young out of the rhythm that he'd had the, the previous three and a half games. Yeah, the, the defense in the second half I thought was a lot better. It didn't actually like get the results until kind of that those final four minutes where I think Jalen Brown had the block and then um, there's a couple other plays. But I thought they just had like some better process and the Celt like the Hawks got some some kind of ridiculous like lucky shots with uh, lucky rolls with Dejounte. I thought they forced Dejounte Murray, especially at the end of the third quarter when Trey Young was on the bench. I thought the Celtics just like played a lot better defense, but it was just kind of. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich had some like ridiculous buckets and then they got some uh let up some offensive rebounds that um were some just, were just unlucky but I do think the defense was a lot better and you just look at Trey Young's stats where he was what 25 points in the fir- uh first half 18 in the first quarter and then he was one of 13 in the second half and he's a very special talent his ability to like throw lobs at the rim and his passing is just damn impressive, but like you have to give the Celtics credit. And I think um, Marcus Smart deserves a lot of credit. And I think Trey Young, in fact, said this after the game that Marcus Smart, they, they won the Celtics adjusted and kind of switched up their coverages on him. But Marcus Smart just made it his mission in the second half to be like, I'm going to be, I'm just not going to leave Trey Young uh, and be as, as connected to him as possible. And like the Hawks, again, giving them credit for like a lot of their role players stepping up, but down the stretch in that fourth quarter, they only scored 20 points. Uh, and I thought the Celtics defense, this in a game which they basically struggled, 
in which neither team really decided to play defense for the entire game. I do think their defense stepped up and got better, uh, especially later in the game. Yeah, I think they had five blocks in the fourth quarter, <laughs> which is obviously a huge number. Um, and it, it, it really was. like, And Tatum said it after the game that the Hawks just – they all played with confidence. And it just really felt like that. Like, even from the start of the series, that was a different Hawks team than, than the group that was there in game one. It was – just just an impressive impressive run from Atlanta and like like John Collins he passed up a couple of shots late in game 4 and Trey Young was pissed at him and after that like you know Quinn Snyder is telling all those guys to just shoot play freely and John Collins was was hitting and you could see the Celtics like starting to react to it there was a a three that Collins hit i forget whether it was late in the third or early in the fourth where he caught it and Al Horford was like panicked trying to get out to him. <laughs> and just two, three games earlier, the Celtics were totally fine with living with that shot. And then it was totally different by the end of the series. Um, I thought Collins was awesome. Really? He, he was pretty good on both ends. Um, I thought Sadiq Bay like had some really strong physical drives and Helped some runs with the second unit. Bogdanovich hit some some timely shots throughout the series. Um, Trey Young like really got going and was a handful for DeAndre the Celtics Hunter. defense in ways. Yeah, him too. Uh, so, what did you think of the Celtics like starting Horford on DeAndre Hunter and Jalen on Capella and just trying to take away the pick and roll game that way? You there, bro? I mean, I thought it was an effective move just in terms of their their pick-and-roll coverage against Trey Young down the stretch at Game 5 did not feel like it was the best. And so by making that switch, um, I like the idea of it, but it's not like Trey went off for 18 points in the first quarter, so it wasn't like that was the immediate fix. He was like very impressive. When he's hitting his step-back three, there's really doesn't feel like there's like a lot any defense could do. And so I thought like later in the game, they did a better job of like at least sending two at him. And at some point you just got to take away the three and force him to try and take more of those floaters. Um, and, and like, he's still very good at that. He's still really good at probing pick and roll. And again, throwing lob passes, like he's the best lob thrower I think I've seen uh, playing right now. And so, I thought they just did a good job of, of other like, than JD Davidson. I think I think he might surpass even JD Davidson, um, but I don't know. That might just be a volume thing. JD Davidson might be more efficient in the lob game. His numbers might be better, um, but I just thought they did a better job of, of just like trying to force the ball out of out of his hands and force him into more uh, tougher shots in the second half, um, which. I think if you're playing the Hawks is what you need to do. Despite their role players like stepping up as we've talked about like down the stretch they like you don't know you would much rather have John Collins and uh I don't know I'm looking at the looking at the fourth quarter box score right now. Trey Young was 0 for 7 in the fourth quarter. I can't really explain exactly what the Celtics did to uh, uh make that happen, but um kudos to them for whatever they did. Yeah, I don't know if your Wi-Fi is working right, bro. Um, 
Maybe it's me. No, bro, it's I, your I can't Wi-Fi, really hear you bro. Right, but uh, I'm not on Wi-Fi with my phone, so. Well, you should probably get on it, bro. Step your Wi-Fi up. Um, <laughs> but I thought, and, and that it might have been a cumulative effect, honestly, for Trey, because he had super high usage in Game Five, and then super high usage in Game Six. And the Celtics ran a lot of their offense at him. So he, he just kind of had to be involved in a lot. And Joe Mazzulla after the game said they the Celtics felt comfortable with the game plan as far as making him score over and over again. Like They didn't want him to get everyone else going. They wanted to make him take those shots and make those shots. And he did for a while. Um, but at the end of the game, it's possible that like fatigue caught up to him and, and trying to do as much as he had to do just caught up to him. I'm not sure. Obviously you're never really able to tell something like that, but he definitely wasn't the same. And part of it was they were just more attentive to him. Marcus smart started denying him, like making it tougher for him to get the ball uh, once he gave it up. So I, I just felt, and I I thought Grant Williams came in and, and gave them some energy. There was one play and it was kind of a totally meaningless play. Um, but he was guarding DeAndre Hunter. And obviously, DeAndre Hunter is not like the focal point of your game plan when you're playing the Hawks. And Grant Williams guarded him like he was guarding Kevin Durant last season. <laughs> like belly to belly, chest to chest, like just bumping him physical. And Hunter ended up getting the ball, taking like a, a tough pull-up fadeaway with Grant all over him and missed it. And the Celtics kind of missed that. I, I thought Grant gave them a lot of physicality. I thought he gave them a lot of effort. I, I just thought after a series in which he was used minimally and sometimes not at all, for him to come in in, in game six, an elimination game on the road, and give the minutes he did was really impressive. And, and it felt like he obviously, like, Tatum and Brown made a ton of plays and Smart did, but I thought Grant, as much as anybody, when the Celtics didn't quite have that full intensity, he brought it and helped helped carry them through a time when when they really needed that. And it's like a lot of credit goes to him for like basically just not playing in the series other than game three and then being able to be ready and come in and not only give that intensity on the defensive end, um, but make make the shots in the corner when he uh, uh, was called upon. And I just think it gives like it's a little confusing why he didn't get more minutes in this series or why Blake Griffin played it all in game five, because it feels like Grant <laughs> Blake minutes will, will solidified himself as like clearly the the should be the eighth guy in that rotation because he does provide that physicality. He is a more switchable defender. He is provides you just with a little bit different look. We even saw Grant at the five for some moments of this game. And um, I think the Celtics players, Al Horford after the game said comments of just like how, how impressed they were with Grant and how they basically don't win that game without Grant Williams. And so I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit. And I would expect him moving forward against Philadelphia to get a lot more playing time than he did uh, in this series against the Hawks. It's still confusing to me why he yeah, didn't get playing time gonna, until this gonna game. That's going to be a Grant Williams series. But, uh, I guess you got to credit Joe for the adjustment. 
<coughs> yeah, he, he was good. Uh, and it, I, I would definitely think that he'll be part of the rotation. I, I would think he'll at least take the Hauser minutes in the Philadelphia series. It may be cut into even some of like Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon's minutes because you just need so much size and physicality against Joel Embiid. Um, so I, I think that'll definitely be a Grant Williams series. He's probably guarded Joel as much as anybody this season, and some of that was due to um, due to injuries and stuff like that. But he and Al Horford are really the two guys the Celtics like to be on Joel Embiid. Robert Williams, like, just not really the right one-on-one matchup for that. He would probably foul Embiid relentlessly. <laughs> um but he, he could be really helpful in, in help and everything like that. But I don't think the Celtics will have him guard and bead much. So definitely great waves. The uh That was just an insane game though. Like <laughs> cannot stress enough how insane that game was. And there were moments where each team would just did like super dumb shit. The Celtics there was one play when they Tatum hit a free throw and they just gave up a fucking and one and on a fast break the other way. How do you do that? Don't really know. Um, the Hawks had another similar play where they scored and then the Celtics came right back and just got a fucking layup. I think it was Jalen Brown. Just weird, weird stuff at times from these teams, but it's kind of just, just two high-level offenses just throwing – throwing punches at each other all night. And finally, the Celtics defense was able to lock in and take the Hawks out of rhythm a little bit. But they had a lot of trouble guarding the Hawks offense most of the series. Do you have any concerns about the Celtics defense, just given how much it seemed like they struggled to get stops consistently? I thought it was interesting to see just like they were playing that drop coverage and it felt like no matter what they did, even when they went to double bigs, they just couldn't really consistently string together stops. And so it's like, is that a concern heading into the Sixers series? Or is it just like Trey Young was being phenomenal and the Hawks are more talented than we thought they were? I think Trey is just a totally different challenge than they've really faced. I mean, Steph Curry. But he decimated them too. Uh, decimated them at a much higher level than Trey did, even. But like Trey, Trey is just a—he's a very tough cover, and and the Celtics are good at being big and physical, right? And strong and smart. And Trey, because of the way he draws fouls, can take away some of your physicality. And you saw, like, when the Celtics did try to be physical with him, he drew some fouls early in the first quarter. He caught Al Horford a couple times, uh, drew a flagrant foul on Al Horford, which I didn't know if that was the right call. I guess I guess it probably was. I'm sure the rest know the rules better than I do. But I just thought Trey like leaned into the shot and jumped like three feet forward on the shot and then landed on Horford's foot. Didn't necessarily think it was Horford's fault. Um, but what whatever. Wasn't didn't end up being a big play, obviously, but could have been. Um but yeah, I, I just think it's a totally different. Like Embiid is going to be, it's going to be uh, everything that happened in this series. Like none of it matters, right? <laughs> Defensively, just none of it matters because you're going to be guarding Embiid in the high post. 
you're you don't have to deal with a super high level um like like super shifty point guard i don't i don't want to say a super high level cuz james harden is a very high level point guard but he's different now some of his athleticism is gone um but yeah i i wouldn't be too concerned about their defense i think atlanta's offense in this series was just really good and everything the celtics thought they would be okay with living with turned into like John Collins making threes. <laughs> DeAndre Hunter has a huge game. And I just thought the Hawks offense was awesome. Yeah, it felt like they had a clear game plan of like, we're going to let some guys shoot, specifically Collins and Hunter. And then Collins and Hunter just like, especially in games five, I think basically three, five, and six, just really knocked down shots. And it was like, all right, I guess we're living with like the, the so many times they just left Hunter open for threes and Collins open for threes because they were giving Trey Young so much attention. And it's like, we're going to live with that shot. And you have to give credit to the Hawks for um, knocking it down. Um, I think an important part of this game, and I don't know how much it's going to continue on to the next series, but I think it's very important that it, it does is Al Horford's shooting and scoring the basketball. Like he hit that one major three tonight. I think he was two on the on the game total, but he just didn't really have his shot going. I was dying at laughing at his quote about series. that. Oh, his quote about that was absolutely gold. Tell the tell the fine folks what he said. So funny. <laughs> I I guess I don't know whether it was someone on the Hawks bench or someone in the stands, but someone was talking shit to him, and Al Horford said he would not say who it was but that he appreciated the guy. And then he said, there are some people you can talk trash to. You talk trash to me. That's probably not good for you. <laughs> like what a line, what, what a cocky line from Al fucking Horford of all people. He He's low key, like super, uh, super like, com- obviously he's super competitive. He's in 36 and in great shape and playing high level hoops and been a winner forever. But like, He's vengeful, <laughs> and he never shows that side of himself. But when, when he does, it's so fucking funny. And like, it's pretty Gross. cocky because his shooting was just not that great this series. But he did knock down that one very important three at the end of the game. And so, like, talk your shit, Al. Why the fuck not? Um, talk your shit. What'd you think? Like about <laughs> it was so funny. What'd you think about time? I almost Lord? laughed at, like right in his face when he said it. You should have. <laughs> What did you think about Time Lord tonight? He only played 16 <laughs> minutes, and I didn't think he looked great. And then I saw like tweets from beat reporters in the building be like, "The Celt- like Time Lord's hustling his ass off and making all these plays out there." But clearly, they didn't think he was the most effective. Only played 16 minutes, and I just thought he was like a, a step slow and wasn't the best on the glass. Like he didn't have the normal kind of impact that I thought he kind of has in previous games in this series. Yeah, he didn't have a single offensive rebound. Um, I thought the best stint he had was in the fourth quarter, and it was just a quick little stint, but I thought he was really impactful then. Other than that, he had one great steal where he like, I forget who was dribbling it. He just like leaned, leaned in, got really low and just tapped it away. And then the Celtics just gave it right back. And I think the Hawks ended up hitting a three out of it, but it was an awesome steal, especially for a big man. You don't really see a big man, like get that low to, to slap the ball away. Um, 
I, I didn't think it was that bad to limit his minutes. The Celtics, obviously, they decided that switching or being having groups that were able to switch was what they needed, and they went with Grant Williams. He kind of cut into some of that Robert Williams time. So I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, I wasn't wasn't mad at it either way. I, I think the way the game was going, the, the Celtics weren't getting stops no matter what. And it was really important to just have the offense not have any ruts and having spacing on the court without Horford in this series in particular has seemed like a really good way to just get buckets at the rim relentlessly against the Hawks. Uh, and then add, add on to that the, the switching thing with Grant Williams. And I didn't think it was like some travesty at all that, that Robert Williams didn't play that much. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think you like playing Grant, playing like Grant gives you a guy who can play the four, still able to switch, still able to shoot threes in the corner and still give you that physicality. So it's like uh, just a different lineup, a different version of double bigs that I think Grant even played some five. He did. It was very limited. Like it was like some short stints in there, but I did think it was like a nice wrinkle for Joe to be able to utilize and just throw out there and to show the Hawks different looks in that regard. Yeah, and the one time I thought it hurt them was uh, when Okongwu had that awesome rebound like right over the top of Grant. That was like the one time that 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 decision seemed to hurt. But I thought Grant was really good. Only went one for four from the field. Had a weird shot in transition that I'm not even sure it was blocked. I don't think he, just, he was sure it was blocked. He just blocked, threw it at the he... bottom of the rim and then kind of got it again in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a bizarre, bizarre take in transition. But other than that, like I, I really thought he was important, and especially for a guy like you look at his stat line, and you would not think he had much of an impact at all. But I, I really felt like his physicality and defense was helped them. Uh, what did you feel about Peyton Pritchard's three seconds of <laughs> of basketball tonight? So I was like a little bit behind <laughs> on like the. Like all, all, like the beat reporters tweet and then like then it happens on my stream and I just saw someone tweets like, well, Peyton Pritchard's checking into the game now. And I was like that the most stressful point of the game where like I'd been pretty calm with the back and <laughs> forth. But then like I like I started getting up paces like what is Peyton Pritchard doing in the game? Uh, but I thought he had a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good three seconds. He was a plus two. Uh, so I thought that was pretty valuable from Peyton. Well, I. That was a a pretty weird decision. Well, what me. about that? Just the whole inbound sequence, like before that, Peyton Pritchard, like that. Like, I think at some point it has to be a technical foul when you just keep th like throwing the ball as hard as you can off a guy because you can't inbound it. Like that is just a wild, wild course of events. I've never seen a team fail to inbound a ball four times in a row, and you weren't there. But on the broadcast, they're just like, "Oh, it's impossible to be able to inbound the ball, inbound the ball from the corner." Just like no team. No team ever inbounds the ball from the corner. I was like, I feel like I've seen that happen before. And I've just never seen uh, like Trey Young just like throw it off a guy. And they just did it three times in a row. It was kind of insane. My wife doesn't always watch the Celtics. Pretty rarely watches the Celtics. She texted me, how many times can they throw it into someone's dick? <laughs> it's a very, very Which good question. Great Great question. A lot, apparently. Three at least. Several times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then to throw to throw it away after that 
was just kind of hilarious. Well, first of all, like Trey took the first two, and then they were like, all right, we can't have Trey Young try to throw this in against Marcus Smart. It's not going to work. And then they just like took Trey off. And it was kind of like in hockey. I don't even really know the rules in hockey. But in hockey, when the face-off guys like switch yeah. and someone else comes in to face, face off, it was kind of like that. And then, then the Hawks just did it again. It was like the same fucking thing all over again. I think DeAndre Hunter tried it next. To throw it away after all that was just ridiculous. I've never even seen that in like high school games, youth games. Just, just a wild sequence. And then... Why was Peyton Pritchard inserted into the game? Just because they like foul shooting? They wanted their five best foul shooters on the floor I, for that? I think for foul shooting, but it's like they have a lot of really good foul shooters in their in their actual rotation. And Malcolm Brogdon was totally not on cold. the floor for that? Like they I was like, now it's Pritchard time. Also, it says he was a plus two, but didn't he get immediately removed from the game after one of Marcus Smart's free throws? So she, he only should have been a plus one. I think I think they count both if you were on the court for the foul. Oh, interesting. You learned I, something. I could new. be wrong. Well, that makes sense if given he was a plus um, two. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know if that was the right decision. Kind of a wild card to play it's at like, that stage of the game. That's just like Remi- classic coach reminded me of the thinking too much at the end of a game. It's like I'm gonna I'm cooking with gas, baby. I'm a real coach. When I was in high school. I used to hate my coach for doing it because my sophomore year, I like, I didn't play that much. I played a little bit, but he used to always put me in dead cold, like for the final minute possessions, final second possessions, just to shoot a three. And he'd be like, coach, I haven't played since like early in the second half. You just throw me out there and fuck me over. So I, I would have been interested to see if Peyton Pritchard could have knocked down the free throws. Um, it reminded me of the Cleveland game when they just threw him in there to run the length of the court in five seconds and try to get a shot up. Just random usage of Peyton Pritchard. Kind of hilarious. Now you got to keep guys uh, locked in, you know, ready at any moment. Maybe Peyton Pritchard will come up with some big free throws in the 76ers series. I feel like we haven't spent enough time just talking about how good Jalen Brown was in this game especially shooting yeah like six of eight from three 32 points but like in the moments where the, the Celtics three. needed to answer back yeah like repeatedly throughout this game it was like oh Jalen Brown's gone on an 8-0 run himself and then hit that major shot late to tie the game um like he was just phenomenal tonight uh especially uh from beyond the arc some people are calling him downtown Jalen Brown I don't know if you've heard that yeah, that was a huge three. I think it tied the game at 113 all. And before that, like the Celtics were kind of struggling at that moment. Trey Young had just hit Capella with an alley oop. And then Trey like barely missed a three. I think it spun in and out. And so the Celtics down three. Marcus Smart had just missed a couple threes in a row and had a turnover. And it was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is going poorly for the Celtics. And Jalen drilled a three. And it was just a huge, huge moment to kind of change change around the game at a time when the Celtics were really f- like that was probably the worst stretch of basketball they played or the shakiest stretch of basketball they played 
all night and Jalen hit like a tough pull up three and just from that point on I think it was an 11-0 run that started with that just just a huge huge shot and then that he follows that up um ties the game there Al Horford hits the three in the corner Jason Tatum hits a three and then uh Jalen Brown comes with that like pretty crazy block of DeJounte Murray uh and then Jason Tatum had the put back dunk to make it 11-0 run but like he's just they were all super just like locked in over that stretch and it started with Jalen Brown making that three but then it was just like right after that it was like oh the Celtics made the correct play I think like eight times in a row after that and then Marcus Smart managed to throw a, a very dumb turnover uh, at some point, and then uh, Al Horford fouled Bogdanovich on a three-pointer, which I think was a absolute dog shit call. But it was like for that two-minute stretch, it was like the Celtics did everything right, and, and they're getting all the credit in the world. They still managed to make it a little bit tougher on themselves than they needed to. But it was like it all started with just like huge shot making from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then. Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum running that kind of pick and roll or just their kind of two-man game and Marcus Smart making the right decisions from passing to Al Horford in the corner, passing to Grant who missed the open shot, and then Marcus Smart keeping the ball himself for that layup. Like, he got a lot of shit after game five, I think deservedly so, both him and Jason Tatum for just not making the right play. And they deserve the like credit for you know, just making that, making the right play repeatedly, especially like down the stretch in a closeout game on the road. And it's very weird about this team. And, and for, for, oh, go ahead. Well, it's like they, they're weird about this team over the playoffs of like the last two years. It's like they have choked away some games at home and just played poorly at home, but they are just like, they're great on the road. Like they've played some really, like won some huge basketball games on the road. And it feels like they're just like better prepared or just making better decisions on the road. And I can't really explain why that is. Yeah. And I want to take it back to the smart thing first, because like you said, he was very shaky in game five. And people on Twitter were losing their shit when he had that little stretch with the, the turnover and then the two missed threes. And it was like, and Missoula actually took him out at that point. And I thought he might just get benched for the rest of the game, honestly. I thought that just might be it from Marcus Smart. Missoula put him back in 29 seconds later. 29 seconds later. And he made every right play basically for the rest of the game, except for he had one pocket pass to Jason Tatum that was tipped away. Um, but I just thought Marcus Smart his ability to play off Tatum and then make the right play once he got the ball was super high level and super impactful and changed the game. He also had an incredible start to the game. Like, oh yeah, the first He's the reason why they three were minutes was just like yeah. all Marcus Smart. It was it was a a crazy crazy start for him. He had like on the first Hawks possession two really great defensive plays. And then he had a putback. He had a, a bucket drive. Uh, put back his own miss, right? Um, he had a three. Like everything was Marcus Smart early on. He was he was really really awesome. While well, they got off to a twelve two start, 
And then Atlanta fought back, and from then on, it was just like back and fucking forth. What a what a fun fun game to watch. It was it was an intense game. Um, definitely more fun that they they got the win. Um, and again, I think it goes back to your original point. Credit to the Hawks, man. At no point did I think this was going to be a six game series. At no point until I think there was two minutes left in Game Five did I think this was going to be a six game series. Uh, but the Hawks just kept coming and kept coming. And even if the one, it wasn't Trey young, it was these other guys. And so I think they, uh, they, as they could like ship Capella out of town, maybe ship John Collins out of town, like, and just go with, uh, Trey young, DeJounte Murray, Hunter, Okongwu. It's a nice little core four they have there moving forward. Yeah, it is. Um, we should probably note Jason Tatum's tip dunk. Yeah, it was pretty badass. Which Very like, pretty aware huge. in the moment. Uh, that was after Al Horford, like another like good play by Marcus Smart to find Horford in the corner. He just did knock it down, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, just I thought his rebounding was really important um, in a game where they gave up a shit ton of offensive rebounds and second chance points. Capella and Okongwu are just motherfuckers on the glass, huh? And and you have to scramble so much to kind of guard Trey and that it allows them the room to be motherfuckers on the glass. But the Celtics had so, some pretty good offensive rebounding too. Smart with three of them, naturally. <laughs> um, and then Al Horford's, I forget, I think it was early in the fourth uh, when Jalen missed a layup and Al Horford tipped it in. That was a pretty big shot too that could kind of get lost in the shuffle. But it was big Al Horford game down the stretch after he went like a while without making a shot and a while like, I don't want to say getting abused by the Hawks, but they were definitely going right at him and having some success. Some success. Yeah, um, but someone talked shit to him. And when you talk shit to Al Horford, it goes bad for you. <laughs> you it's probably not a good thing. Um, Probably not a good thing. Malcolm Brogdon just did Malcolm Brogdon things, but I have to give him credit because he dunked the ball, which I don't think I've seen Malcolm Brogdon do before. I was shocked that he had five dunks this season. <laughs> I, I went and looked it up after that. I don't remember any of those five dunks. Not a single one of them. No, it was it was, it was a shocking but, move from him. It was. It truly was. I, I, I cannot believe that he had five dunks this season. It's kind of um, wild that the Celtics have so much depth that like Derek White, who especially like after game two, talk about like, oh, he might be the third most important member of the Celtics. He has seven points tonight and was three of nine. And like he did some of his things where he like got into the lane and but like wasn't great with his floaters was one of five from three. Like I thought he played a solid game was like solid defensively. Um, but like. It just didn't really matter that Derek White didn't show up from scoring because they got 30 from Jalen. They got 30 from Jason. Marcus Smart had to, like stepped up scoring and they just get like 17. Like they like that 17 off the bench from Brogdon just seems kind of standard now. And so it just goes to show like the depth that um, they have where it's like they don't need every single one of those guys to show up every night, but they just need one of the one of those three guards to kind of uh, 
show up in scoring. So I think it's just it's a good sign for the Celtics that it feels like they can mix and match and um and just kind of figure things out. Uh hopefully Missoula can can figure out what the right formula is against the Sixers moving forward. Um but it's gonna be interesting. That's what makes the playoffs fun is like the different adjustments between games. What scares you the most about the Sixers? Uh Joel Embiid? <laughs> what kind of dumbass question is that? <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. But but I feel like he'll probably have a big series no matter what. So uh, let me rephrase that. If the Sixers win this series, why do you think it would be? P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris shooting threes. And James Harden like knocking down a lot of threes. I feel like the like the seventy Sixers. They're going to need to have like knockdown outside shooting to surround Embiid because I think the Celtics are going to give Embiid a lot of attention. And it's like how effective the Sixers can be uh, when Embiid gets doubled. The Sixers don't really cut. They're not really a team that like cuts toward the basket. Like Maxi has enough speed where like he cuts once he gets the basketball and he kind of just has enough speed to make up for it. But they're like not a team that. Uh, does a lot of movement. So I think if they're going to punish the Celtics for kind of showing and beat a lot of attention, it comes down to their guys shooting uh, a high percentage from beyond the arc. And we like, that's when I think like the low, like the heat shot 45% from three in their uh, series against the bucks. And that's like a major reason why they were able to win. Like if, if the 76ers can get hot from three, that's when I feel like they're the most dangerous because it's like, how the hell do you stop that if you're giving Embiid a bunch of attention and like taking double teams off off of him and then P.J. Tucker's just making you pay? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. 
that's that's pretty fair. I also think James Harden is going to need to give them at least like one or two games where he's really good. Because I I think Embiid will probably win a game or two just by himself, like like where he's just absolutely dominant, where he forces them to double, where he picks them apart. Um, but what when he doesn't have it, when he's if there are games when he doesn't have it, like can Harden carry them through that, and can he carry them through when Embiid is on the bench, which is obviously going to be a huge huge part of the series. And can go really wrong for Philadelphia. Um, I didn't think. Like the Celtics bench had some big games. Like Brogdon was pretty consistent scoring. But I thought the Celtics bench. Like the Atlanta bench had a, a huge impact on some of those games. And really had some runs in some of those games. Especially I thought tonight the second quarter. When Trey Young sat. the The Hawks like really played pretty well. Um and then in game 3 in Atlanta when Bay and Bogdanovich just got going, like that was really huge and like Maxi and Harden have to be able to keep Philly Philly's offense alive and Philly's team like from going into huge ruts when Embiid is on the bench. Um that should be a fun series. I I'm looking forward to that quite a bit cuz They've played, obviously, before in the playoffs. That one five-game series that the Celtics won against Philly was super close. <laughs> like oh, yeah. Every game. Confetti game. It could have gone either way. I think it was a Marco Bellinelli toenail away, the confetti game. Um, and then 2020, like, Ben Simmons didn't play. That wasn't a – that was not, like, a fair matchup at all. And now Embiid is very different, and the Sixers are very different. They got a lot more toughness, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, I think, and Philly is just a great place to watch a game. Those fans are going to be so mean, and oh, so, yeah, it's so crazy, and just ruthless. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, shout out to the uh, Atlanta crowd for showing up tonight, and making it feel like a playoff game, and shout out to. The most important member of the Atlanta crowd tonight, Kemba Walker, who's just like a just show consistently showing up for his friends. Uh, you got to respect him for that. He always shows up for his friends. The uh, Joe Mazzulla gave him a nice little hug after the game. Brad was chatting him up after the game. They just everyone loves Kemba, man. Ke- Kemba might be the nicest guy who's ever played in the NBA. Uh, do you know who the meanest guy to ever play in the NBA is? <laughs> I'm trying to think who would be the meanest guy. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 that was a sh- it's just my uh, shitty attempt at a segue, but now I'm trying to actually think about what the answer is. I was watching a, uh, an Instagram reel earlier of um, – it was like the last time the Knicks and the Heat played in the playoffs, and it was the fight where like Jeff Van Gundy um, – I think it was the fight before Jeff Van Gundy ended up like hugging that guy's leg, but it was PJ Brown just like completely picked up and destroyed Charlie Ward. And I don't think I'd ever like really seen that clip before because I just remember I have all these fond memories of PJ Brown from 2008. But PJ Brown just like completely unnecessarily, it just looked like Charlie Ward was trying to box out, just literally suplexed him 
uh, it was a wild. Speaking wild of suplexes, move. that was how about Yabu? That was what I was transitioning to. I was going to say Yabu was the meanest guy in the NBA for destroying Dante Exum. That was quite a fucking wrestling move. I think I think Exum got hurt. Like legitimately yeah, he did. hurt. <laughs> Yabu came down entirely on him. Like the full weight of Yabu was put on to Dante Exum, who's not the like the the biggest frame uh, of dudes. It was it was just a wrestling move, just a full belly to back suplex, just fucking Jesus, just insane. I uh, I asked Marcus Smart if he had seen that, <laughs> and he he had certainly because it was like the clips were just getting surfaced shortly before the game, but he'd already seen it. I, I was hoping to show it to him to see his reaction live, but sadly. Alas, I was not able to do that. Um, Were you in the locker room? For I've got the, some junk. Before you, well, I was going to ask you about the great condiment debate that was in going on in the locker room pregame. Were you Were you there for that? I was there for the condiment debate. Um, Fiondu Kabangeli is a big mayo guy, a huge mayo guy. He was just there standing, his standing for mayo in the corner. Yeah. Um, Jason Tatum told Grant Williams he was probably a horseradish guy, which was just <laughs> just mean, just truly mean. But accurate, and then, right. but the the Celtics, the Celtics were appalled that uh, Grant said mu- put mustard in his top three, and uh, that feels like a pretty he, standard he, he, top he, three he, condiment or top three sauce. I, it's not my personal favorite, but like they, people like mustard. He pointed out that uh, it's it's used as as the rub on uh, ribs. <laughs> okay, um, That's a good argument. What else did he point out? He said honey mustard. Um, so he, he's a big mustard guy. That was that was in his top three, and they were they were pretty animated about that. Um, Jason Jason Tatum told him it was some country shit. <laughs> and then it was some down, down south country shit and then uh but that was after <laughs> grant said tatum was had some country shit by loving chipotle sauce as much as he does that's not country at all or or was it chick-fil-a sauce? i don't know it, it was one of the two i forget um so Okay, yeah, Jay, but was, what's your favorite? It was a wild what's your favorite pre-game? sauce or condiment? They, they, uh, my favorite. Yeah, I feel like I really fucks with ketchup. <laughs> like, like you could put ketchup on scrambled eggs. You can't have like a cheeseburger without ketchup. I mean, I guess you could, but it it wouldn't be nearly the same. I just feel like, like. You can you can have things like it would change so much if you couldn't have ketchup. Uh, I'm also a big mayo guy. I think mayo, mayo with French fries, mayo Ooh, on sandwiches, little, little Amsterdam vibes going for their mayo on French fries there. Yeah, so mayo would be up there. Uh, I'm not a mustard guy, not a relish guy. What Does hot sauce count? I'm like, I feel like I'm a big hot sauce person. 
Yeah, I think hot sauce probably counts. I also agree with Jason Tatum. A nice, a nice little chipotle aioli. Aioli is just may- uh, flavored mayonnaise, but you call it aiolis if you want to sound fancy. Yeah, but I, it, it goes with it, goes- it stays in the mayo category if if you just want. So I I don't know I I I'm trying to think of other condiments. I think what? I don't I don't think there's like that big of a list. That's why it's like pretty wild to be like outraged that mustard is in there there's like what five condiments and to be like mustards in your top three i don't think it's that outrageous i do like just just being like outright dismissing anything that grant says because i feel like that's a fun dynamic hot sauce is officially a condiment by the way according to hot sauce is officially a condiment yeah i just all right well (laughs) oh barbecue sauce is way up there too yeah overrated but like barbecues, uh, oh, blue cheese. Does that count? I, I I don't I don't know how I don't even know how you would define a condiment. Now are we now we're just talking about sauces here? Are all sauces condiments or all condiment? Is it like a square and a rectangle situation going on right now? You know, I I don't fucking know. But I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading a story and it says is jam a condiment? Oh, I would well, not that's... put you on. That's well. That just got Food. meta and kind of kind of bizarre. And I think that's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a good place to end. But it. Hot, hot sauce is is officially a condiment according to Google. Um, but it was hilarious because <laughs> Joe Mazzula during his pregame was like like ready to fight, like just <laughs> just ready for the game. He, you could tell he was not going to answer anything. His first question was like, "What needs to change about the fourth quarter?" He said literally like. Three words, seven fourth quarter turnovers. And then like every question from then on, he just like kept going back to like, we had seven fourth quarter turnovers. You could just tell it was just like, all right, he is he is locked in. He is not going to answer any of these questions in any way that would help anybody. And then we get to the locker room and it's like, so what are your favorite comments? <laughs> <laughs> the, just the, the juxtaposition between Joe Mazzula just, just like, Really, really locked in, and then the Celtics just chatting about their favorite condiments was hilarious. They they are a very loose loose locker room team. Um, they're not like it's not like when KG was there, and nobody talks or anything. Like they'll they'll have weird chats before any any type of game. Before uh, I think it was Game Four, they were having a talk about like the rappers they used to listen to when they were nine years old, <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. Well, that's. I feel like that's a good thing if when they win, but uh, people would have gone rip shit if they lost this game. It's like these guys aren't locked in; they're fucking talking about condiments before the game, barbecue sauce. But I think it's good for their, and it, it kind of fits with like their just general approach, where it seems like Jason Tatum is very even keel and uh, able to focus. And I feel like you usually follow the personality of your best players, like. And so it's Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Was Jalen there participating? I don't feel like Jalen would be participating in the condiment debate. Um, I don't think he was in the locker room at the time. It was so it was Kelly, Tatum, Grant Williams, Blake Griffin, and Luke Cornett. And I didn't see the start of it, but I was told that it started with Luke Cornett and Cobb and Gelly just having a chat by themselves. And then <laughs> within moments, it was just 
just a fierce debate. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic stuff. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how we move on from there. Any other ops junk observations from the game? Uh, ushers dancing I, to ushers. I enjoyed. Yeah, that was weird. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed Joe Mazzulla's answer to a question about what they adjusted in crunch time, and he said we didn't adjust as much as we passed the ball to the open guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty good adjustment. What an amazing though. line. Like, 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 and it was, to me, it was kind of like a fuck you to everybody. Um, I'm not sure whether he meant it like that. He might've just been stating facts, but there was a lot of discussion about like what he did wrong down the stretch of game five and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> He's like, we didn't adjust. We just passed it to the fucking open guy. <laughs> like, Stop blaming like, what do you the want coach me to do the when players. these assholes are just yeah. turning it over f- seven times in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was fun. And then, I, I mean, you look at – he clearly made it a point that they had to stop turning the ball over. They had to get into the right spacing. And they only had seven turnovers all game, which was a huge part of continuing their offense when Atlanta's offense was just kind of relentless for a long time. So that was the biggest adjustment is they just passed the ball to the open guy. I, I mean, I if that's what he preached, I think like he deserves credit for the coaching decisions there. And he eventually determined that Grant Williams is a good basketball player better than Mike Muscala and uh, Blake Griffin at this point. Yeah. yeah. I also liked how uh, Joe kept saying that the Hawks have two all-stars. Um, I don't think they had any this year, but that was fun. I mean, once you're once you're an all star, you're officially an all star. So how many all stars do the Celtics have? They've got Tatum, Brown, Blake Griffin, Horford. Al Horford. Um, that's it. Who else? Is that it? I don't know. Who yeah, else, who else think- made the all star team? Luke Cornette never made one? <laughs> Not yet. Did Ma- Malcolm Brogdon never did. Yeah, it must be just four. So, yeah, they, they got four All-Stars. <laughs> what what if Quinn Snyder was like, yeah, tough to guard that team. They got four All-Stars over there. <laughs> the uh, So, I, I enjoyed that. And then it, it reminded me of Tillman Fertitta at uh, the Ime Udoka press conference yesterday where he uh, – he just kind of said that uh, Houston has four or five all stars in the making, which is totally false in all likelihood. But did he did we'll did see. he name them? I can think of possibly two all stars, maybe three. No, that would have been my fault. I would have been like, who? Maybe I'll give you Shangun. Maybe I'll give you Jalen Green. Maybe okay. They have th- three. Shangun, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green. Yeah, I, I'm struggling to get to a fourth all-star, potential all-star on the Houston Rockets. Daniel Tice? Oh, he's not even on the team. He's not even on there anymore. He's on the Pacers. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it happening. I don't see it. Uh, for the old Rockets, I don't know. Maybe uh, Hardo Ime gets in there and just starts yelling at them. He could. He could. He um could. You got anything else? What was your junk? You got no junk? Uh, we kind of talked about my junk. Uh, Mike Gorman kept on referring to the Janet Jackson concert as a rock show. 
uh, which I just thought was funny. It, I don't think I would describe Janet Jackson as a rock performer, but um, Mike Gorman did, and it was. Uh, but she rocks. Does she? What's your favorite Janet Jackson song? Uh, is is she the one who sings that she, you want to dance with somebody? No, that'd be Whitney Houston. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling Janet Jackson yeah, songs right now. Really painted yourself into a corner there when she said she rocks. And, and I truly, uh, I don't know any of them. I'm sure, I, of course, I would. I would recognize them if I heard them, but I'm looking at all the names of these songs and I have, I have no idea. Uh, Rhythm Nation. I'm not a big like. You're not a big R and B guy. guy. I, I, a big pop pop fan. No, no, I'm I'm not a uh, not a rock guy. <laughs> oh yeah, what's your favorite rock band, J King? I don't have one. Never will. Oh, you're not a big rock guy, or you are a big rock guy. I'm absolutely not a big rock guy. Okay, that's fair. You're I feel like you probably only listen to hip hop. Yeah, that that is correct. And you only just Goddamn right. <laughs> for the record, the best Janet Jackson song is uh All for You. Um and that's uh one of her later hits, but that's just uh uh that's my personal opinion. It's a bop. Um but that's sweet, all, bro. That's all the junk uh, I have. Uh, I guess no. Marcus Smart. At some point, they did like the inside tracks thing, and Trey Young was talking to the ref, and then Marcus Smart just kind of walked over, and the ref was like, "Well, what do you want to tell me, Marcus Smart?" And Marcus was just like, "I'm just trying to hear what Trey's telling you," which I thought was a pretty funny line. Um, we got the Brogdon dunk. This like it was just, just a high stress game that it wasn't like a, a chance for whimsical observations it was just like oh lead change lead change lead change it wasn't like much of a like that was a funny commercial uh it wasn't a it wasn't a junk heavy performance uh i'll have to say not a lot of junk other than Peyton pritchard's three seconds no we've we've already addressed that in full we gave more than three seconds to to his time all right we've gone on for <laughs> a wild call I couldn't believe Payne Bridger was on the court. Just a bold series from Joe Missoula from three seconds of Peyton Pritchard, six minutes of Blake Griffin, and one minute and uh, 17 seconds of Mike Muscala. Some bold choices just to get more um, representation of, of white basketball players on the court by Joe in this series. We we know this, though. He's not, will, he's not afraid to change things up. Or try something like, new. He wants... Yeah, he went from like was it game three? They didn't play any double big lineups at all. To the next game, he went to the double big lineup and kind of rode that. Um, he didn't think obviously Robert Williams really had it tonight, so limited his minutes tonight. Brought in Grant Williams, had them switch more often. Used Grant Williams at center, which he hardly ever did. Um, went like offense defense sometimes with Marcus Smart down the stretch so he's 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 willing to try shit that's and and he was not as bad as mike budenholzer that's for goddamn sure because (laughs) nobody was he actually used his timeouts how do you not call a timeout with 0.5 seconds left or like later in the overtime when you need a, a bucket and you're down by two yeah i don't know what you just said 
Waha? Well, it was it was it was a wild series from Mike Budenholzer. That's true. It seems like our audio is kicking out. We've gone on for an hour, and so I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, the Celtics have won the series against the Atlanta Hawks 4-2 after an eight-point victory in Game 6. They'll take on the Philadelphia 76ers starting on Monday. I'm sure we'll have another pod actually previewing the series in full uh, before that, probably released on Monday morning. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you guys for following us throughout the playoffs. This has been another episode of Anything is Potable!